It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Thank you for the great worship, wonderful praise. and It's good to be in a place where you feel lifted up. Amen. I don't have to like all the styles that they sing, but it doesn't matter what the style is. There's something about people who genuinely pour their heart into lifting up the name of the Lord and giving Him praise that something happens. And uh, we are blessed. I already feel good about being in church today. Amen. I've got to rub shoulders with some good folks, and God's done a great thing already. If you would stand with me for a few moments today, and I will try to be very conscious of the time. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and I would like to begin reading with verse number one. I am so thankful for all of our guests today, and I would call all of your names, but I don't have all of them. But I am so glad that you're here. It is especially good to have one of my brother's friends for many years, Bruce. Bruce, is that correct? Am I uh, moved here from Austin and moved right down the street from my brother after they've worked together in business for many years. Glad that he's here today. And everyone else, church family, would you make sure that you make someone welcome that you don't know today? Make Get out of your comfort zone and go by and shake somebody's hand when we're through today and thank them for being here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 1. He said, Let us therefore fear. Let us therefore fear. Lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. What a powerful setting for our subject this morning. I want to talk to you a little while about a mixture for the madness. A mixture for the madness. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This is one of those passages of Scripture that if you are not careful, it will get a hold of you and it will work on your mind and it will keep you awake at night. It will keep you thinking and considering all that uh, the writer in Hebrews was attempting to convey in these two powerful and very pertinent passages of Scripture that we've read from. For some time, these verses and a couple of others in the first part of Hebrews has have been... Uh, I, I wouldn't say haunting me, but they have certainly been disturbing my mind because uh, of the message that they convey and the thought that is left hanging that there is the possibility. There is the possibility that I could miss something extremely important and of great value to my life and to my soul. 
he refers to it here as entering into the rest. There's much that could be said about that, but my point is that because of the situation that uh, developed and evolved with an earlier generation uh, that were in contact with God, they missed something. They forfeited uh, a blessing and a help that would have made a world of difference for their future and their outcome. And so I've tried to understand it and I've tried to understand how it could happen. How can anybody miss something that's free? I mean, none of us miss anything that's free. If we go to would go to Sam's and they've got all those little kiosks. We go buy them several times. I mean, even if we don't use it, nobody likes to turn down what is free. No payment necessary. No need for you to worry or fret over it. You just have to take it and enjoy it and benefit from its blessings. And yet, the Bible says of these that they miss something. So how could that happen? But more than that, what caused it to happen? Because before I prejudge them and, and say that that's them and that's not me, I'm much wiser and we all think we are. Everybody I've ever met with that made a mistake thought they were wiser than that. Amen. Everybody. Nobody thinks that they're uh, as, as vulnerable as they are. And yet the reality is it is possible that it could happen even now. That you and I could be on the verge of something. Or we could be in the vicinity of a miracle or some kind of provision that God has made for us. And yet not embrace it or not enjoy it or not benefit from what God has brought us to this place to enjoy. And I will have to confess to you today that one of my greatest fears in life is to miss what God has planned for my life. Now I might miss Christmas and I might miss Thanksgiving and I might not get all of the things in life that I want and I desire, and I may miss opportunities in this life. But there's one thing that I don't want to miss, and that's the plan that God has for my life and the purpose that He has designed for me. And I, I don't want that to happen, and I know that it could happen because it has happened before. Maybe it was because of fear. Uh, maybe it was because of hesitation. Maybe it was because of doubt of the goodness of God or His intent. Or did God really say that? Or did God really mean that? And so we miss God's purpose for our life and His plan for our good. I don't want that to happen. I don't want you to miss anything that God has 
provided or made a way for. If God has made a way for me to have victory and not live in defeat or he's given me a way to overcome a habit or something that has set me back in my life, I don't want to just come near to that that privilege and that opportunity but never embrace it and never enjoy it or never know what it is to taste the good of the land. And so the writer in Hebrews, when he began to consider the, the old and the new covenant, you will find that Hebrews is a, in, there's many passages where he compares the old from the new and what happened then and what God is doing now and the covenant that God was working under now. And he, he draws a parallel and he draws lessons out of, uh, of the differences that went on. Although the promise was the same, the operation of God had changed and it was no longer the law that they operated under, but it was grace that they worked under. And it is possible that even under grace that men could forfeit the grace of God. They could void the work of grace in their life or what God has intended for them. And so in contrasting this, this the same word is at work, whether it was the old covenant or the new covenant, it was still the word of God. It was still the promise of God. And though God has great plans for their life, they miss them because of issues and situations in their life. That my life, too, could not profit. Think about that. That my life could not profit from the work that God is trying to do toward me. What we must understand this morning is that Israel came to the promised land and there were seven distinct foes that, God enumerates in Deuteronomy 7 and 11 that inhabited that land that they were about to go into. And each nation, nation that was referenced in Deuteronomy 7 represented a problem that God's people had to overcome and deal with in order to possess the land and to enjoy the promise. And yet when they saw them, when they saw these nations, they, their response to these nations were, we were as grasshoppers in their sight. They were completely overwhelmed. They were completely blown away by what seemed to be an insurmountable obstacle and a foe. And as a result of that report, as a result of the ten that came back with the report of the land, they were turned back into the wilderness and they believed him and they wandered for 40 years and they missed and they forfeited what God had done for them. And this is what I've learned about life. If you view yourself in relation to your problems, it will affect the whole future of your life if you do not view yourself in the right perspective, how you view yourself in relation to your problems will determine the outcome of your life. It will determine whether you succeed or go down in defeat. And they perceive themselves to be incapable 
of doing what God had already said they could do. Amen. So this was the utmost importance to me when I began to consider this. And if you and I fail to take into account what God has said about my life and your life, then we too will succumb to the same adversaries that they did. And this is of utmost importance this morning, that when God made mention of their failure, this was so, when I got to studying this and I realized this, when God chronicled their downfall and he showed their, their blunder and all of the embarrassment of losing out on the promise of God, God never mentioned one of their foes. Not one mention of a Hittite or a Gergesite or a Jebusite or any of the other sites that were in that land that they were about. Not one of them was mentioned. Not one foe was mentioned for their failure. Not one nation was mentioned because of their defeat. Nothing was mentioned about anything but their unbelief. Unbelief. Now, think about that. There is no foe that can defeat you but your own unbelief. When God looks at the context of your life and my life, He's not going to look at the obstacles that we came up against. He's going to look at the character and the decision and the mind and the heart of the individual that came to that crisis. And what he's going to take note of your life and my life is not whether or not we had to overcome alcohol or drug addiction or some other kind of problem, but did we come to it in a spirit of faith and confidence that if God has brought me this far, then God can take me that far. That if God has brought me here, then certainly he can take me there. And so nothing is mentioned of their enemies, only their unbelief. The point to remember is this. Unbelief, not giants, will defeat you. Unbelief, not problems, will defeat you. Say that with me. Unbelief, not problems, will defeat me. Unbelief, not the giants that loom before me, will defeat me. Amen. They doubted the power of God. He was not able. They said, we are not able. And in saying, we are not able, they were saying, he was not able. Now, they're saying this about the God that for the last few years has been providing food for some two and a half million people out of nowhere and water, and all the other things necessary. They're saying that about the God who broke them out of prison. I mean, Pharaoh's iron claw was on them. He wasn't going to let them go for nothing until God got through working on him, and then he said, get out of here. I don't want you in my land anymore. Now, this is the same God that parted the Red Sea so they could go over on dry land. And put a cloud between them and their enemies when the enemy came up on the backside so that they could not find them, although all night they tried to find them. 
Now that's a pretty awesome God that can put a wall between you and your enemy that in spite of every effort, He can't defeat you. He can't discover where you're at. And yet when they get to the verge of their greatest opportunity, they said, we're not able. We're not able. We can't do this. I can't overcome this. This is too hard for me. This is too difficult. Well, first of all, you got the equation wrong. It's not me. It's he. Is anything too hard for me? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can't even hardly get up out of bed in the morning without messing something up. That's not the question. Is anything too hard for... I don't even want to go here, but I'm going anyway. The Republican Party or the Democratic Party? And I'm not making line. I'm just saying, you know what? That's not where our hope is. I hope you do vote. And you vote for the right person, whoever that is. I don't know who it is right now, but you better make sure that whatever is done there, that when it comes down to your life, that the one factor that makes the difference is, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? Can God, who through His power of work, overcome this and help me to rise above it? You see, unbelief is a great magnifier of your enemy and a great put-downer, if that's a word, of your power. It is a magnifier of your enemy and your weakness and a diminisher of your God. Unbelief is elevating in your consciousness everything that is against you so that you will forget what is for you. That's what unbelief is. Unbelief is that ugly little villain that comes to every home and comes into everybody's life at some point or other and tries to make them question whether or not God knows what he's up to or does God even have an idea where my my life is at right now. They distrusted not only his word, but they distrusted him, his love for them. You read Numbers chapter 14 and you'll discover that they treated God as an unreliable, even though they had had a history of His precious love, that at that moment in their life, instead of turning to Him, they turned away from Him. Now, before you get too haughty and and you get too uppity and say, Oh, that never happened to me. I know too much about God. Let me read to you what he said in Hebrews chapter 3. He said in chapter 3, he said, Take heed to yourself, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. The same thing that happened to them can happen to us. And it is happening to us. That spirit of unbelief is working in some people right now. And you say, well, how do you know that? I know that because of what's going on in your life right now. 
I know that because instead of lifting the hands in worship and magnifying God during a service, we sit like this and and we 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 think, well, it it just this isn't going to make any difference. This is just emotion, and this is just this or that. When the reality is, there's a liberty and a dimension of freedom that comes when a person steps into that atmosphere of praise, and and when somebody acknowledges that God is great and He is greatly to be prayed that he is an awesome and mighty God and he sits upon the throne of the earth he doesn't need anybody to make him he's already made amen 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 I think the greatest failure you can be seen is that they uh, they disbelieved his word they disbelieved his word that's what our text says For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. They got the same word, but it didn't work for them. It didn't make a difference. It didn't change anything because it was not mixed with faith. It was not mixed with confidence. And so unbelief has a weak digestive system when it comes to the Word of God. It, it doesn't know how to handle that Word, and so it rejects the Word of God. But before we, we let that happen, we need to consider what we're letting go of when we let go of His Word. There is a possibility that one of us could be given everything that we need, that God could put everything before us that we would desire Everything we need to overcome is right in front of somebody right now. Everything that you need to live victoriously is right before somebody this morning. Everything that you need for victory is within your grasp right now. Everything, every power that is needed to break the chains of a habit or an addiction in your life or help you overcome some kind of animosity or hatred, all of that is available to you and I right now. It's in this place right now. The power power of God is in this building right now. And for me to still be bound, for me to still be overwhelmed, for me to still be defeated, for me to still be fearful, for me to still live in doubt, in uncertainty, something is wrong. Amen. They were given his word. It was by his word that they left Egypt, by the command of God. And this was the same word, the same word that brought them deliverance from Egypt is the same word that was used to speak the world into existence. It wasn't another God. It wasn't another something else. It was the same word. Think about that. The same word that says to Moses, Come on, Moses, get up and get my people out of this bondage. Get my people on the road to recovery. Was the same word that in the beginning said, Let there be. Amen. Same word. Now, Let me help you understand the power of that. Let me help you understand what happened. Just consider three short, single-syllable words. Let 
there be. And it changed everything. For Genesis 1 and 2 said, And there was darkness upon the face of the deep, and it was void and without form. That was the description of what went on before he said, Let there be. There was chaos. There was confusion. There was madness. One translation of the word void literally means madness. So I don't know, I can't even grasp what must have been there in that whatever it was of existence. But it was chaotic. It was confusing. It was unorderly. It was disarray. It was everything that you could imagine you don't want to be. That's what was going on then. And three simple words begin a transaction of things that changed everything. Let there be. And when God said, let there be, he gave value to something that was worthless. When God said, let there be, he gave meaning to something that a moment before you wouldn't have given a dime for. He gave purpose to something that a moment before had no purpose. He turned the waste into worth. He turned the chaos into an order. He corrected a mess. Does anybody need a mess corrected today? Come on, somebody. You've got to help me a little while. Does anybody have a mess in your life right now that you need corrected? I'm talking to you about the God who in just three simple words can turn that mess into meaning. Amen. He can turn the mess into meaning. He can stop the madness. Throw up Genesis 1 and 2. I've got to stay here a few more minutes. I just, I feel like camping out a little bit. The Holy Ghost is here. He said, and the earth was without form. It had no order. It had no plan. It had no purpose. It had no meaning. And void, that's the word that I, that translated madness, mess, confusion, chaos. He transformed that emptiness into what we now enjoy and live in. This world and all of its beauty come from those three simple words, let there be. Amen. And it began a process of God working and bringing order. He transformed the emptiness. He reversed the ruin. He turned confusion He put darkness in his place. He said, let there be light. And there was light. Amen. If you're in a dark situation this morning, all it takes is a word from God. 
and it will put darkness in its place. You won't leave here confused this morning. You won't leave here in a madness of mind wondering what am I going to do. I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm, I'm so stressed out. I'm taking Xanax and Zantac and, and Zan up and Zan down and Zan here and Zan there. And I don't know what else I can take. But if I could find it, I'd take it. I'd tell you what to do. Throw all that out the window and come to an altar and get an encounter with a God who can say, let there be. And he can release you from that madness. He can turn that confusion around. He can stop the craziness that's going on in your life. Amen. Let there be. Amen. That's all it took. Supplanted fear and he gave purpose. All with those three simple words. That's why Satan works so hard to keep you from trusting that word. That's why the devil works so hard to discredit you. That's why he throws up so many barricades. That's why he throws up so many giants before you. So that if you look long enough at the giants, you'll forget about the God who said, let there be. If you keep looking at your problem long enough, you'll become so overwhelmed that you'll, you'll wind up getting down on your hands and knees wondering whether you're going to make it or not. And the reality is, if you have God's word and his plan, there's no giant that can stand before you. There's no habit that can hold you. There's no drug that can be put in your system that God cannot break you free from if you will somehow lift your hands and put your heart into His hands and say, God, you can do it. I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. I can't unravel all of this mess, but you can bring order to my life. Come on, somebody, clap your hands and give Him praise right now. That's why the devil is working so hard to get you not involved. He wants you to keep a distance. He doesn't want you to draw near to God because he knows if you ever draw near to God and you ever give God an opportunity, God's going to do something good in your life. And that's why there's so much confusion and madness in your life right now. Because if he can keep you distracted long enough, you're going to become just like Israel. Become fearful of your own shadow. You can be seated just for a moment. I'm not going to preach but a few more minutes. Maybe you're wanting me to stop. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. That's why he works so much to throw obstacles in our way. Why he works so hard to get your mind on everything but what God's trying to do right now. He'll make your cell phone ring right now. Buzz, vibrate. He'll make you remember some stupid bill that you've got to pay when you get home that you forgot to pay. He'll make you think about or he'll throw some, something before you that will distract you. Maybe it's just you just catch a glimpse of somebody across the church and you think, well, that hypocrite, what are they doing over there raising their hands? I know what they did. He'll put anything he can before you because he knows if you ever get to the word, if you ever wrap your arms around that word, nothing can change what God has planned for you. Nothing can stop what God has ordered for you. And so he keeps 
people in a state of confusion and he throws up their inadequacies and he throws up their inabilities and he throws up their weakness and he throws up their fear before them and he throws up all the things that people worry about when 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 things happen in your life and 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 and, and you panic and everything's going to pieces and you wonder what am I going to do now all of those things he designs he purpose them so that somehow your fear would so overwhelm you that you would not be able to see the hand of God that's right there working right now. Amen. He didn't want you to see that God led you here. If he'd wanted to take you out, he would have taken you out a long time ago. If he had wanted you done with, if he had gotten tired of you, if you were through, he would have made sure a long time ago because he's the one that holds the breath of life in his hand, not anything else. It's not held by your heart pumping. It's not held by your exercise regimen. It's not held by your diet, whether you have one or not. That's not what holds you together this morning. What holds you together is that the breath that is in you right now is held by the one who created you. And if he's not going to let it go, then you better not let it go. You better not throw in the towel too soon. You better not give up before God said go over. You better rise up this morning and say God, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to overcome, but with the help of God, I'm going to overcome. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I am saying to somebody here today, the reason the devil is terrifying you right now is because he is so afraid of what you were so close to getting. Yeah, you can stand, all of you can stand now. Maybe that will help me stop. The reason he wants that is because if he can make you think, well, they're just a bunch of, they're just a bunch of lunatics here. They're just crazy. Amen. We are crazy to the world, but we're not I've only I've not lost my mind. I found my mind when I came to him. Right before I walked out of the office, the Lord asked me three questions. What is fear trying to prevent you from attaining in God right now? What is fear trying to keep you from getting your hands on? I don't know about all this religious. I don't know about all this stuff. I don't know about all. You know what? That's the, that, that's, that's the work of the enemy to get your eyes on everything that doesn't matter so that you don't see what does matter. And so what fear is trying to prevent you right now from taking a step that would change your spiritual destiny that would put you on a path of victory and overcoming what does the devil fear you taking today what does he fear you taking what has he laid possession of that really doesn't belong to him because it's a promise that God gave to Abraham years ago but he moved in and he laid his hand. He said, oh, no, that's mine. Isn't it amazing 
that the only place the devil really wants, after he gets you, he doesn't want you. He leaves you. He forgets you. All he wants is to get what God has his hand on. And so the devil, and, and, the, and you can liken these tribes to a spiritual enemy. They were in every fact that for God's people. They moved in and they took that territory. And they said, you're not taking this. And my question is, what, what does the devil fear you rising up this morning and taking back a clearness of mind, an order to your life, a plan, a purpose, living the way you know you ought to live? What is he, what's he trying to keep you from getting back in your life? The peace that passeth all understanding a mind that is so controlled by the Holy Ghost that doesn't matter what is against you, you do not fear, for God is for you. And this is the last, this is the last question that God asked me. He said, what move is the devil working to hinder me making right now? that would help me move into that place, that would help me reclaim that territory. And so I'm asking you this morning, what is it that he's trying to keep you away from? What's he trying to keep you locked between a pew over? Fearful. I just don't know. I just. What, what is he trying to overwhelm you with right now to say you're never going to beat this? You're never going to overcome this. You're never, it, it's always going to be there. You're, you're at once an addict. You're always an addict. Once an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. That's a lie. That's a lie. Because my Bible, they, the word that said, let there be, said that if any man be in Christ, if he be in Christ, he is a new, not a remake of something old, but a new creation. That means whatever controlled me before does not control me any longer. When I am made new in Him, I am free. So what is the devil working right now to hinder you from moving into what move is he trying to stop you from making right now? You came to church. That's good. That's great. But just coming to church won't make you what you need to be any more than me standing in a barn makes me a horse. I'm going to be a horse. I'm going to have to have a nature change. Now, some of you may think I'm something else, but I'm not. <clears throat> What's he trying to keep you from? What step, what move is he trying to hinder you from making right now? Because you're afraid, because you're not sure, you don't know if this is real. You know what really aggravates me? Just I don't even know how to say it. I have to be careful. My wife will tell you that I say things that I'm not supposed to say sometimes from this pulpit. 
I'm not, not anything vile or anything like that, but I, I get, I want to throw up. I get nauseated. When I listen to people that have read a little bit about this, and now they have become the expert on this, and they want to tell me that it doesn't work. I had one man said, well, I've read the Bible all the way through. I said, that doesn't make any difference. If you don't know who wrote it, it doesn't matter. It's not any different than a novel. It doesn't make any difference whether you read it through or not. You've got to do more than read it through. You need to get acquainted with the one that wrote it. That's what makes the difference. That's what transforms life. It's not that you read it. Well, I read it through. It's like the Russian cosmonaut that went into space and came back the first time. They said, we, we went into space, but we didn't see God. And so they came back, and that's how they put the propaganda through Russia. There is no God because we didn't see him out there. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. If, if my God is so small and he is so limited that, that I can make him or I can create him or I can form him, that's what we sing about. He's not a God that's created. He's not a God that needs to be formed. He's so great and mighty. He is who he is. And I'm not here to try to do anything but get you to do what God's trying to get you to do and that's lift up your eyes and look a little farther than your problem and realize that on the other side of what you're facing right now is a victory that God has planned for you and overcoming a defeat so what does the devil fear coming together in your life this morning (laughs) that's that's about the best way I know how to put it what does he fear coming together this morning As long as there's chaos, as long as you're losing your mind, he's happy. You're paying his bills. You're keeping his lights on. But what happens when things start coming together in your life? And you don't need that stuff anymore. You don't need that crutch. You don't need that excuse. You don't don't need that internet site. You don't need that visit. What happens when God starts bringing those things together? That's what the devil fears, and that's why he works so hard to do what he can to keep you from believing that there's a God in this building right now. Though you cannot see him, he's greater than your eyes. He's greater than even your mind can comprehend, but he's real. And there are people that stand in this congregation today that are witnesses that once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. There are people standing here today that can lift their hands and say, I'm free. I'm free. I once was bound but now I'm free I've overcome and if you're here today and you fear whatever is before you why don't you get out of your aisle and get somebody to come with you to an altar and let's find a God who's able to overcome a God who can put down and vanquish your enemy a God who can defeat whatever it is that's against you this morning Come on, come on, let's pray today. Come on to the altar and let's talk to God. What does the devil not want you to get your hands on today? What does he not want you to possess? What does he not want you to pray through to? Oh God, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now.